You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. First pitch to Brandon Belt is smashed to right field. McKenna racing back. It's gone. First pitch long ball. Brandon Belt. The Blue Jays are up 5-3. to three. What a way to get the uh, first win of this three-game set with the Baltimore Orioles, a team that's absolutely owned the Toronto Blue Jays this year. That voice you heard was uh, Ben Schulman on the call on the Sportsnet Radio Network last night as the Jays uh, take game one of three against Baltimore, uh, 6-3. And uh, welcome to Big Show Hour 4, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement And we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and we are joined by the voice that called last night's win, uh, Ben Schulman, uh, Blue Jays radio play-by-play and host over on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ben, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, what a game last night. I, I feel if these two meet in October, uh, I feel like it's going to be more of those type of games. And uh, that play by Bo Bichette, uh to throw out Rushman in the ninth. Uh, to be honest, when he gets that ball, I'm thinking that thing's going over Vladdy's head. It's not making that making that hit in the Guerrero's glove, but he gets out of that. And maybe that was the first play to really think, hey, the Jays might have a chance in this one. Yeah, that was a phenomenal play. And I think for as as strong as Bo has been offensively this year, he's been the best hitter for the Blue Jays. Uh, he has been, you know, really a lot better at shortstop. And, and I think that you see that on a day-to-day basis and the fact that we just don't see a lot of airs from him anymore. We're talking about the throws, but talk about a difficult throw to make. And you're right. Like, Vladdy, not only did he not have to jump or do anything, he didn't even have to stretch it. Nope. hit him right in the chest. Uh, and, and that, you know, really helps Tim Mays out, I think, in that inning. And, and at the end of the day, the Orioles probably score if that runner gets on. And instead, uh, they get another clean bullpen inning out of that ninth. And, and Brandon Belt helps them out with the first pitch of the 10th. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about Brandon Belt now. He's been just so great over the last couple of weeks. Uh, struggled, obviously, to start as a Blue Jay. Uh, but, you know, since we've entered the dog days, he's really started to elevate his play. What have you seen in his game that maybe he's getting back to a bit of those San Francisco days? Yeah, he's catching up to the fastball a lot more. I think coming into the season, and, and probably understandable when we look back at it, you know, he didn't have a spring training. He was coming off a major surgery. He, you know, is obviously 35 years old and in the later stages of his career, and he just looked like he was not really getting around on a ton of fastballs early in the season. But uh, he really, I think, has improved that as the season has gone on. Like you mentioned, it was really that bad first month. And after mm-hmm. that, he has been really solid for Toronto. And, and we're seeing a lot more of the power, I think, recently. He's not a guy, actually, who has hit 20 homers many times in his career, mm-hmm. but he is getting right up near that 17, 18, 19 homer mark uh, that I think you come to expect with a guy like Brandon Belt. And it does feel like a lot of his home runs, and maybe this is just recency bias, but have come at the right time. And this has been his best month for it. That's now six home runs in the month of August. So uh, the Blue Jays will certainly take it from a guy who knows a lot about uh, winning baseball and, and playing tight games around the stretch. I think that, you know, for, for a team that feels like a lot of guys may be hold the bat a little too tight mm-hmm. or maybe get a, a, a little more nervous than they need to in big spots. I, I don't think Brandon Belt ever feels anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, you, you can't go wrong there. Adding more playoff-type experience, guys that have played in the battle here in, as we get into September to this group. And I mean, 
this this is a Blue Jays team that has playoff experience despite its young core. Like Bo's been through it, Vladdy's been through it. Obviously, George Springer's got some World Series uh, experience as well. But like, just how much of having a guy like Brandon Belt who who won it in those days in San Francisco? How important is he going to be added to that locker room? I, I there's a good handful of guys mm-hmm. on this team, even that were with the Blue Jays that have been there, but. I don't think there's a lot of them that have a lot of playoff success. Yeah, exactly. So far. You know, Vlad, Bo, they haven't won a playoff series yet. They've been to the playoffs uh, a couple times now, but Brandon Belt has been there and succeeded. George Springer has been there and succeeded. Even Kevin Kiermaier has been yep. there uh, and succeeded. And I think that they just, you know, have that faith and that belief. They've seen it done before. And so, so they might, uh, you know, that these other guys have in their playoff experiences and playoff runs of the past where they're just up there treating it like any other game because they've been there so many times before. And I think that was a big thing with this team going back to the offseason. They wanted to be a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. They, they certainly are you know, a, a significantly uh, more experienced team, an older team than they were before. And, uh, you know, Kiermaier even came up clutch yesterday with a double as well to help the Blue Jays get their third run. Uh, I I think you can see it a lot in, uh, you know, some of the recent performances they've had hitting in big spots late in games. Are we going to, like, I know we we mentioned the recency bias, and I think maybe in baseball it comes with it more than any other uh, big four North American sport, but are are we looking back on possibly last night as a a leaping off point for this group? Like, each time they've gone on a little win streak, now this is... This is two, uh, three in a row now. It, it, they always follow it up with maybe a loss or two. But you feel like going into Baltimore, getting the win the way they did it, could be a, a leaping off point. As, they, as the month of September starts pretty pretty nice for the Jays, it might be their softest point on the schedule. Yeah, it's so tough in baseball, like you said. I mean, it, it's, you know, some people say momentum is as, is as strong as your next day starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do tend to agree to a certain extent. You know, Kevin Gosman is great if he goes out today and doesn't pitch well, then regardless of what they did with the bats, they'll probably be in trouble. But it does feel like this is a big one for them, you know, and and maybe the last three days in general because, or last three games over four days, because they suffered a pretty brutal loss to the Cincinnati Reds on Friday, a game they really should have won. But they came back and won a tight game against the Reds on Saturday, and they blew them out on Sunday. And now they win a tight game over the Orioles. And it, it felt like they were losing a lot more of those tight games than they were winning where, you know, it would come down to a chance for them with a runner in scoring position late in the game. And I think a big help is that, you know, they're hitting near 300 with runners in scoring position in August, which is way different than what they're doing for the rest of the season. And I do think that that yesterday is a confidence booster. I, I think to really cement it though, they would go out and win today. I think if you can take a series from the Baltimore Orioles then all of a sudden, the, you know, the two teams that gave you the most trouble this season, the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles, you've beaten them in the last two series that you've played mm-hmm. them. Obviously, they swept the Red Sox, and if they can win today against the Orioles, they have the series regardless of what happens on Sunday. So I, I think that would be huge for them. I do think last night is a big one overall, but uh, you, you have to go out and win today to make it matter, and there's no better chance to do it than when you have Kevin Gosman on the mound. And then you're right, you, know, you mentioned the schedule coming up. After this series, they get Cleveland at home and then four last place teams in a row. Yeah. I don't have the order right here, but Washington, Washington Colorado, Oakland, Colorado, Kansas City. Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so, like, those are series you have to win all four, and you'd hope to sweep one or two of them at least also. So if they can come out with a series win here, they might still be behind the Seattle Mariners. Who knows? The Mariners might sweep the White Sox here and even gain a game. But I think if you can just focus on what the Blue Jays are doing for now, they can win the series. Then they put themselves in a good position to pass one of the, you know, the Houston, Seattle, maybe even Tampa Bay coming up in this weaker stretch. Uh, another strong outing last night from from the start. You say Kikuchi he didn't go five. I know it was tough on Schneider to yank him out there uh, at the end of the uh, with four and two thirds. But you know, he surrenders seven hits, but he strikes out six. Like this, this has to be obviously the best Kikuchi's pitched in his time in North America. What have maybe you seen? I know we're not we're not pitching coaches. We don't know how to evaluate. But like what Pete Walker has done for him, uh, comparable to what, what what he did for Robbie Ray a couple years ago. But just uh, what have you seen maybe out, out of Kikuchi's game this year? Yeah, I think there are three big things for Kikuchi that, that they seem to talk about and that we seem to notice that have changed. It seems like he's made a mechanical change, and they haven't been too uh, explicit on what it is, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently that that's helped him a little bit stay more consistent. I, I do think a big thing for him as well is, is he's throwing that curveball. Uh, and he used it a lot yesterday, and it really helps him. I think his fastball was a little bit wild yesterday, and he'll just throw like a 2-0 curveball and steal a strike from someone, and guys seem to have a lot of trouble with it. So I think that's been big. It, it plays off his slider really well, too. When you see the pitch with similar spin and coming out of the hand, it, it's pretty difficult to figure out if it's the 82-mile-an-hour curve or the 90-mile-an-hour slider. And then I think the last thing for him has been the pitch clock. I think that that was something mm-hmm. people anticipated maybe coming into the year would help him out. He's not thinking a lot. We saw him a lot last year pacing around the mound when he was, you know, a, a little bit behind mm-hmm. and having some issues. And, and I think that he just doesn't have the time to do that this year. And so he has really been attacking hitters and, and just going out and pitching. And it, it's funny. He's actually giving up more hits than he did last season per nine innings. But he's walking so many fewer guys. And, and I'll add in a fourth here, just thinking about the hits. The defense is so sure. much better behind him, too. Uh, especially in the outfield, that you wonder if that gives him more confidence to just go in the zone, let his defense do the work, and see what the guys can do. And and they've really been good behind him. So I think, you know, when he's not getting himself in trouble by walking hitters, he's a lefty that throws 95 with two big breaking balls. He's a really tough guy to square up for extra base hits. And I I think by the fact that he just isn't giving away bases – he uh, is really letting that talent show. And, and like you said, it's his best season in North America. He's a guy who dominated in a really good league in Japan yeah. for a long time. Oh, yeah. And it's nice to finally see it come together now in the majors because the talent and the stuff was always there. In a, in a three-game wildcard series, he's got to be one of the guys you're throwing out there, eh? I, I think so right now. You know, yeah. there still is a, a still five weeks to decide it, but I think if you were to line it up right now, I think Chris Bassett has been solid for the Blue Jays, but... Uh, I, I feel like it, it's probably Yusei Kikuchi. You, you have to look at, you know, I, I don't anticipate the Baltimore Orioles will be in the wild card. Mm-hmm. If they are, then you absolutely throw Kikuchi. They have a ton of lefties. If it was a really righty-heavy team, maybe mm-hmm. you would consider, uh, you know, Bassett getting the start, just matchup ace. Bassett really succeeds against righties. Kikuchi really succeeds against lefties. But all things being equal, I, I probably have Kevin Gosman game one, Jose Barrios game two, and I think I have Yusei Kikuchi slotting in in game three. Yeah, it feels about right right about now. Uh, another guy that's uh, coming, making his way back, he hasn't made his way up to the big club yet, is uh, is Chad Green. How will everyone get the proper amount of work in this bullpen? And it's such a good bullpen, and everybody's been pulling their own weight, but Chad Green's an also a guy that can give you three innings if you need it. So like, where does he throw in? Uh, throw in here? 
Yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, this is the best Good problems to have. I, I think I've ever seen. It, it, it's ridiculous. Um, and, and I think Chad Green, you know, will find his time a lot in the seventh inning for the mm-hmm. Blue Jays. He's a guy who pitched a lot of eighth innings for the Yankees. But between Eric Swanson, who struck out the side yesterday, and Jordan Hicks, who yeah. was really, really good in the seventh inning, I, I think that your eighth innings – are fairly covered because with lefties too, you're going to go to Mesa. So I, I think the Blue Jays, in a good way, don't have that many spots opened up <laughs> uh, for a guy like Chad Green. But I think he'll slot in, pitch a lot of those high leverage sixth and seventh innings, uh, and and maybe some of those multi inning performances as well. Like you mentioned, John Schneider has talked about getting Green in this rehab up above an inning of work, seeing if he can pitch two innings. Uh, because the only thing for the Blue Jays here is is, is if you say Chad Green comes up and Bowden Francis goes down for him, which feels like what will probably mm-hmm. happen, then all of a sudden you don't really have a long guy, which a lot of major league teams don't really carry anymore. Yeah. But you, you might want multiple innings out of Green. You might want multiple innings out of Trevor Richards as well at times, who's a guy who, who obviously opened at times this year for the Blue Jays. So I, I think that you will see some of those multi-inning performances. And then if the velocity is up uh, around 95 or something like that, I think he can pitch a lot of sixth and seventh innings. But maybe the best thing for the Blue Jays and for Chad Green, considering he's coming off a really serious injury, is they don't need him to be full Chad Green, eighth inning, shutdown guy like he was for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. They obviously want him to be very good, but they don't need him in those leverage spots because they have it covered. They need him in slightly less leverage. And if he ends up being the full Chad Green that the Yankees had before he got injured, then all of a sudden you probably have one of the best seventh inning guys in baseball and then one of the best eighth inning guys in baseball, followed up by Jordan Romano, who has closed games about as efficiently as anyone in Major League Baseball has. Yeah, some really, really good problems to have uh, going forward. If just trying to add some good names into this rotation, this bullpen. Uh, one name that's uh, probably been, uh, he hasn't been talked about a lot lately, but uh, obviously he's not in Buffalo. He's still in Toronto. Uh, you're close to the situation. I'm not saying you have insider information or anything, but what what's going on with uh, Alec Manoa right now? Really difficult to know, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. I know pretty much what uh, John Schneider has talked about. I yeah. don't think any of us knew. Yeah until a day or two ago that Manoa wasn't in Buffalo. Um, and, uh, you know, you would have thought that option down to AAA, he'd go to Buffalo, he'd make some starts there, and, you know, and provide insurance for the Blue Jays. You know, if a starter were to go down at this point or if they needed a spot start somewhere, he could come back up and throw for them. Uh, the word from them is that he's in Toronto, he's throwing, there hasn't been a next step yet. And this could be as simple as, um, you know, what makes the most sense for him? Do they want him pitching in Buffalo or or maybe do they want him pitching in Florida and not because they think he has to pitch to the caliber of, mm-hmm. of Florida complex guys, but because down there they have, you know, the pitch lab and all of the advanced stuff where they can really work on uh, pitching in a way that is different than an everyday baseball player where you're just kind of tossing, going it over with your pitching coach and going back. They have all, you know, the advanced stuff that we don't really understand mm-hmm going down at Florida. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens with Manoa over the next week or so. You'd hope that he gets pitching in some sort of manner soon, because while, you know, I think the Blue Jays, barring injury, are probably not going to go to him again this year, he's incredibly important still in next year and the future. I mean, with Hyunjin Ryu being a free agent, it, it would seem like Alec Manoa is certainly in the 2024 rotation. And with what he did in 2022 and 2021, you still have optimism and hope, I think, that he can get back to being a very effective starter in the major leagues, even if things kind of fell off the rails this year. So, yeah, it's confusing. I'm not exactly sure what to make (laughs) of it right now. 
but for for the Blue Jays and, and for Alec Manoa, I think the hope is that uh, he's somewhere throwing soon so that uh, they can get him ready for next season. Talking with Ben Schulman, uh, Blue Jays radio play-by-play and host over on the Sportsnet radio network. Uh, Kevin Gosman, the starter, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's the starter tonight. Uh, it's been a, kind of a mixed bag of results for him since coming off the IL. Uh, is there any cause for concern with Kevin Gosman? I don't know if like if he's still like going through some things, but it just feels like he hasn't been the same Kevin Gosman uh, since coming back from the IL. Yeah, he's, he's definitely had some ups and downs, and I think you look at a couple of his recent starts and, and there's just like a little more walks than you would like mm-hmm. uh, a little more hard contact than you would like. He's still striking out guys. I think the Philly game at, was tough. You know, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. Philly game was really tough. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for Gosman walking eight guys in the last four starts is not something that you usually see from him at the same time. He's so good. It's hard to ever feel like super concerned mm-hmm. about Kevin Gosman, but I, I think that, you know, keeping himself in the zone is a big deal for him. And maybe it was a bit of a reaction to his first start off the IL. He gives up four homers for the first time ever in his major league career. They were all solo shots, but uh, the Seattle Mariners got him for four homers. Yeah. And maybe that had him pitching a little bit more cautiously. Who knows? Uh, he did have a little bit of struggles in the second half last season as well. And I think there's some concern when you look at a guy who – you know, has a pretty simple repertoire just because it's so good. Uh, you know, he's going to go fastball slit, splitter 99% of the time pretty yeah. much. He throws the slider a little bit as well. But, you know, maybe people are starting to, you know, catch on to it a little bit. The Orioles were a team that got to him uh, in Toronto in early August when they scored three runs and, and really just worked his pitch count, had him over 100 pitches. He was yanked in the middle of the fifth inning. So, I think definitely, you know, a minor concern mm-hmm. is warranted. But at the same time, I don't think it would shock anyone if Kevin Gosman went out there and struck out 10 guys tonight in six or seven scoreless innings. I think the biggest concern for me is the bullpen was worked a lot yesterday, even though it worked effectively and the Blue Jays needed it to win. Uh, they do not have, uh, you know, a lot of guys working on a lot of rest right now. Yeah. With the fact that they pretty much used everyone but Genesis Cabrera uh, they didn't use Francis either, but he threw nearly 50 pitches on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that, you know, they're going to ask a lot out of Gosman today. But uh, I, I think that, you know, if I'm looking in, I still have a lot of faith in Gosman as, you know, still, frankly, one of the Cy Young frontrunners in the American League and a guy with a good chance to go out and dominate today. Kevin Gosman will go up against uh, Jack Flaherty. That's your uh, projected pitching matchup tonight. Uh I haven't looked at the schedule so far of really what Tampa or Baltimore has uh, after uh, once we get into September. But uh, what what is Toronto should still like I, we talked about them entering the softest part of their schedule, at least to start the, the month of September off. Should the division still be in the, the team's plans as we enter September? I know it's it's a little bit uh, out there. I believe it's six and a half or six games right now. Uh, but should the Jays still have in the mode of like, yeah, we can still get this division if we get hot. You know, Tampa and Baltimore, they got their own issues, or if they come up with some issues, who knows? Uh, but also with the wild card, how, how tight it's been, how, how Seattle's caught up and Boston's still in it, and Houston and Texas are fighting for the West. Uh, it's going to be a mess in September, but do you think the Jays should still have plans for the division? I, I think this series determines a lot of that. Yeah. I, I think if you can go win the next two games, frankly, uh, then the division is still on your sights. If you, if you find a way to sweep the Baltimore Orioles, then you're five and a half back coming out of it. You have a soft part of the schedule. Uh, I haven't looked at who the Orioles face next, but I can't imagine it's as easy as what the Blue Jays get. Although 
Uh, they get Colorado and the White Sox, actually. After oh, boy. They play the Blue Jays. So that's, <laughs> that's not exactly the toughest part of the schedule either. But I, I, I think that if you, if you can sweep the Orioles, then maybe you're still thinking about it. If not, it, it's certainly still possible, but I think it, it's definitely a longer yeah. shot right now. The Orioles, unlike the Rays, who have had some ups and downs, I mean, the Orioles have been pretty much the same team the whole mm-hmm. year. They just... Uh, win series. They haven't been swept in Adley Rutschman's entire career. So even when they lose series, they, they find a way to salvage Insane. it and, and only drop a game most of the time. And, and so I, I think that the most realistic opportunity here is the wild card. But the wild card is really interesting because, like you said, Seattle obviously has pushed past the Blue Jays. They're in the mix, but they're only a game up. Houston is a game and a half back because Seattle swept them last weekend. And the Tampa Bay Rays have kept it together for now, but it feels like Mm -hmm. they are due to slide back a little bit. And we've been saying that for a while, and they've been defying it, and that's kind of the heart and soul of the Tampa Bay Rays is when you think they don't have anyone, they pull up some guy, and he ends up dominating, and it is what it is. But they are just so injured, so without a lot of their best players, that uh, you really, really – feel like there's an opportunity that they could slide back. And so I do think there are three different teams right now that the Blue Jays have a realistic chance of catching. And it makes it difficult to kind of scoreboard or schedule watch because of that. And I think for the Blue Jays, and and Jeff Blair talked about this yesterday on Jays Talk after the game, the easiest thing, even though it's kind of the most cliche thing to do, is just focus on yourself and win games. And if you win enough games, one of those three teams should lose enough games at the end of the day. If you can get the Blue Jays are on pace to win 90 this year. I don't think that's enough. But if they can win a couple here, maybe bump that pace up to a, a 93 or a 94, I, I think if you can land on 93, 94 wins, you probably will be a playoff team. And if you're not, even though it's a bit of a disappointing year for the Blue Jays, you at least put a pretty good foot forward to make the playoffs. So I, I think for them, you know, I, I think the wild card's more realistic. Mm. But if they can do damage against the Orioles, they can change their fate uh, pretty quickly. Uh, one more with you, Ben. Uh, the New York Yankees, they're, they're an absolute disaster. I don't think you'll find uh, too many people on, on this side of the board, at least if you're a Jays fan, uh, that'll feel too bad for them. They've lost nine straight, first time in 41 years. If they lose tonight, it'll be the first time in over 100 years that they've lost 10 in a row. Uh, what do they do in New York? Uh, Aaron Boone obviously signed the ex- contract extension to stay on as manager. You're not going to tear down and rebuild in New York, obviously, with the with the money and everything. But what what, what do they have to do, you, in your opinion, to try and right the ship in New York? And and because spending money doesn't seem like it's going to do it all the way for them anymore. Yeah, I mean, they have to hope. I think uh, on some internal improvements for sure. Uh, especially, you know, like Anthony Volpe, the rookie shortstop for them, has been has been really good defensively, has not had the best offensive year, and I, I think that they have to hope year two is a better year for him there. Uh, you know, I, I think they have an interesting question. Harrison Bader coming up in center field, a guy who plays really good defense, hasn't hit a ton for them. What do they do with that? Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they're interested in Matt Chapman, yeah. uh, who's about to be a free agent. They are. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that throwing money at the problem entirely is going to help because the Yankees always throw money at the team, and usually it works out, although this year it didn't. But they're about to get Josh Donaldson off the books, who's about $20 million a year playing third. You don't have to pay that much more a year, I think, to get Matt Chapman, mm-hmm. who, who will be uh, aggressively sought after for this uh, free agent class coming up. But it's really interesting. I mean, they have had a lot of injuries. They have had you know, a really disappointing season from Carlos Rodon, who was actually pretty good last 
uh, last night against the Washington Nationals, although they lost, obviously. Uh, you know, Anthony Rizzo has been out for an extended time. I don't know what you do about John Carlos Stanton. Like, he's just mm-hmm. not playing very well, and he signed until 2029, Oof. I think it is. So you kind of just have to uh, have to hope that that improves. And, and you know, I, I think it's it's a really interesting stretch here for the Yankees. I don't think they're that far off from being – still a, a competitive team next mm-hmm. season. Like I could see them definitely being uh, a wild card, a playoff team next season, but it does feel like they're pretty far off from being a legitimate contender right now. Uh, and it's really strange. I mean, you mentioned that losing streak. I checked out the 1982 team. Like Lou Pinella is a player <laughs> on that team. Tommy John is oh, in the rotation my. for the Yankees. That Tommy John. So like, I, you know, it, it has been a long time since the Yankees have been like this. And I, I have, uh, I went to Syracuse university in, yep. in the state of New York and there are a lot of Yankee fans there and they are like as confused as they are uh, upset or, or distraught because this is just not a feeling they've had before. The Yankees have never finished below 500 in my lifetime. And uh, to see something like this happen is pretty crazy. I I'm really, I'm not sure what the quick answer is for this. They might have to enter uh, you know, they probably won't, like you said. They never do it, but maybe they enter a rebuild for the first time in, like, Yankee history. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't know what the quick answer is to make this team a, a World Series-caliber team again. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a fascinating uh, story to watch. And, uh, I mean, if they lose 10 straight tonight, I mean, 100 years, all the history of Yankees, and they this team is the first one to lose 100 or 10 straight. Uh, ben, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, we'll, listen, we'll look forward to your call, and uh, we'll do this again soon, buddy. Thanks so much, Patrick. Talk to you soon. For sure.